0: Persuasion by Jane Austen, Volume 2, Chapter 8. Previously on Persuasion. Anne Elliot has been regretting the fact that she turned down Captain Wentworth's marriage proposal for like eight years at this point. She stayed with her sister for a while and got to moon over Captain Wentworth because he was back in the neighborhood and he seemed to be courting some other girl. But then it turns out he's not courting her and she's actually getting married to somebody else. And now they're both in Bath and she finally met him last chapter for and for the first time in this entire novel. Halfway through volume two they finally have a conversation and talk to each other a little bit. I mean it I'm getting very excited for a very tiny little conversation. It was not much, but it was something. They had an actual conversation. Mind is blown. It's amazing. And so now next chapter, chapter eight, I believe we're going to the concert, which is they talked about in chapter seven. So we're hopefully going to see some more interaction between, between Anne and... Captain Wentworth. And that is where we're at, so I will get into chapter 8. So here we are in chapter 8, which is about this magical concert that um Anne was so excited about in the last chapter. And we finally get another conversation so conversation number two in chapter eight of volume two um so but we're finally getting more of them this was this conversation is much more than what we've seen in the past in the past with them even the the little um conversation they had last chapter between captain wentworth and ann this is more so i'm very excited i'm finally getting some of this conversation i've been asking for for the entire book but we will get to it so Chapter 8 starts with kind of telling us who is there. So Sir Walter, his two daughters, and Mrs. Clay were there first. And they were waiting for Lady Dalrymple. But as they're sitting around waiting for the Lady Dalrymple to show up, Captain Wentworth comes through the door. And he walked in alone. And Anne was nearest to him. And it seems like he was ready to just kind of do a little bow and walk on. But she kind of stops him and says, how do you do? And brought him over to her. And so then her sister and her father are behind her and Mrs. Clay, but they don't it doesn't say that in the book. And there's a nice little line here. It says, Their being in the background was a support to Anne. She knew nothing of their looks and felt equal to everything which she believed right to be done. So because they were behind her, she couldn't see that they were probably like looking at her not to interact with this man. But because she didn't see it, she was happy enough and could content could continue on and so they start speaking and she hears her father and elizabeth sort of whispering behind her she doesn't know what they're saying but she can kind of hear them talking to each other and then she notices that they give a little acknowledgement so they're not being as rude as elizabeth was when they met at the shop before um it says her father had judged so well as to give him that simple acknowledgement of acquaintance and she was just in time by a side glance, to see a slight curtsy from Elizabeth herself. This, though late and reluctant and ungracious, was yet better than nothing, and her spirits improved. So her family, while being cold to him, is not being outright blatantly rude to him this time, like Elizabeth was last time they met him, which Anne takes as a good sign, and I think is a decent sign that they're at least being sort of polite to him. So they're talking for a while, and then about the weather and the concert, and then their conversation began to flag and so little was said at last that she was expecting him to go every moment but he did not he seemed in no hurry to leave her and presently with renewed spirit and with a little smile a little glow he said i've hardly seen you since our day at lyme i'm afraid you must have suffered from the shock and the more from it's not overpowering you at the time So the conversation is starting to flag. She's worried that he's going to go. But I think it's interesting that from her perspective, he does not seem in a hurry to leave, which is good. And he actually then brings up a conversation again, tries to come up with something else to say. And so they start talking about Lyme. And how frightful it was, the stuff that happened to Louisa there. Um, But then... The conversation sort of turns to the fact that um, Louisa found Bennick through that. So that's not frightful. Um, that the consequences, which must be considered as, a ve- as the very reverse of frightful. Um, so, and Captain Wentworth is the one saying this. When you had the presence of mind to suggest that Bennock would be the per- properest person to fetch a surgeon, you could have little idea of his being eventually one of those most concerned in her recovery. Um, so Captain Wentworth actually is the one who turns the conversation to the fact that Bennick and Louisa are to get married now, are engaged. And Anne agrees that she wouldn't have realized that, um, but she hopes that they have a good match, that they have good temp- principles and good temper on both sides. And he agrees with her, um, and it says not looking not exactly forward. So he's a little embarrassed, not quite looking at her, but there I think ends the resemblance. With all my soul, I wish them happy and rejoice over every circumstance in favor of it. They have no difficulties to contend with at home. No opposition, no caprice, no delays. The Musgroves are behaving like themselves, most honorably and kindly, only anxious with true parental hearts to promote their daughter's comfort. All this is much, very much in favor of their happiness. More than perhaps... And then there's a pause. Um, Which I think, again, I feel like this is... I'm really excited to get some real dialogue here. They're actually having a conversation. And I think this tells us a lot about what Captain Wentworth is thinking. Because he's saying he wishes them happy. um, And he thinks that their families are, or at least the Musgroves, we don't know anything about Benick's families or family, but um, the Musgroves are behaving like themselves. They're behaving really well. um, And I think that he's saying that, you know, they're, All they want is their daughter's happiness and they're doing their best to promote it more than perhaps pause. I think that he's was going to say like more than perhaps your family is doing for you, which I think is correct because her family really doesn't seem to care whether she's happy or not. So I think he's correct there that Louise's family is much more interested in Louise's happiness than Anne's family is in Anne's happiness. Um, But he pauses there. It says he stopped. A sudden recollection seemed to occur and to give him some taste of that emotion, which was reddening Anne's cheeks and fixing her eyes on the ground. So I think they both realize that he is referring to Anne and her family there and what happened with them way back when, eight years ago, about how they would have been married if they had a family or if she had had a family who was supported the match the way Louisa's family is supporting the match. And then we get to something interesting that I think really makes Anne happy is Captain Wentworth now talks a little bit more about the match between Louisa and Bennick and how they are together, like their personalities. He says, I confess that I do not or or, I confess that I do think there is a disparity, too great a disparity and in a point no less essential than mine. I regard Louisa Musgrove as a very amiable, sweet tempered girl and not deficient in understanding. But Bennick is something more. He is a clever man, a reading man and I confess that I do consider his attaching himself to her, with some surprise. Had it been the effect of gratitude, had he learnt to love her because he believed her to be preferring him, it would have been another thing, but I have no reason to suppose it so. It seems, on the contrary, to have been a perfectly spontaneous, untaught feeling on his side. And this surprises me. A man like him, in his situation, with a heart pierced, wounded, almost broken. Fanny Harville was a very superior creature, and his attachment to her was indeed attachment. A man does not recover from such a devotion of the heart to such a woman. He ought not. He does not. And this this whole thing is just dagger to the heart. <laughs> so amazing. So first off, he's saying that he doesn't really think Louisa is like smart enough or bookish enough for Benic, Which from how we have were learning about both of them in the first part of the book, um, I think... I would agree with him in his assessment that that seems like an odd choice for her and for him that they did not seem like they spent any time together at the beginning Um, and before we heard about this engagement there was no indication that they preferred each other's company or anything so I would agree that that seems like an odd choice and they do have that disparity of mind like he's talking about but then the second part is that I think is even more interesting is that he had his heart wounded and almost broken by Fanny Harville dying. And that a man does not recover from such a devotion of, of the heart to such a woman he ought not. He does not. So he's talking about Benick there. And that how Benick should not have been able to get over his heartbreak for Fanny Harville so easily. And move on to marry um, Louisa Musgrove. But I think that we as readers are supposed to interpret that as also meaning himself. You know, that Captain Wentworth ought not and does not recover from such devotion of the heart to such a woman. So he is not recovered from his devotion of the heart to Anne Elliot, in my opinion. I think he's he's admitting that there. And then it's it says in the next paragraph, either from the consciousness, however, that his friend had recovered, or from some other consciousness, he went no further. So either from admitting that his friends you know did get over his heartbreak or from some other which I think means or from consciousness that he's giving himself away that he's talking too much about his own heart and saying that I've never gotten over Anne Elliot um he didn't want to continue that subject and Anne is super excited by this um She says she was struck, gratified, confused, and beginning to breathe very quick and feel a hundred things in a moment. Um. So she is noticing that this is an important thing that he said. And I agree with her. I think this is a very important little speech he just made. To my mind, this is him admitting he's still in love with Anne, which I knew from the beginning anyway. But I think this is him finally admitting it. And Anne is realizing that. But she doesn't know what to say. Um, And she doesn't want him to walk away and she's so, you know, overwhelmed by this topic that she really can't continue speaking on it. So she changes it a little bit to talk just about Lyme. Asking how long he's been there. He said he was there for a fortnight because he couldn't leave until he knew Louisa was going to be okay since it was his fault that she hurt herself. And then they talk a little bit more about Lyme and how Anne wants to see it again and he's surprised by that. And... She ends with saying that there's so much beauty, so much novelty and beauty. I have traveled so little that every fresh place would be interesting to me. But there is real beauty at Lyme and in short with a faint blush. It's some recollections. Altogether, my impressions of the place are very agreeable. So what I think she's referring to is the fact that when she was in Lyme, she was spending time a with him. And so she remembers him there and his friends and like and. If you remember when they were in Lyme, she had a very positive association with Captain Wentworth's friends with the Harvilles and Bennett and how she felt like she could be at home there. She could be friends with these people and how thinking like she had these thoughts about how if she had married him, she would be able to move in that society and how much better, how much happier she would be if she could. And so I think she's recollecting some of that and thinking about how if she was there as Captain Wentworth's wife. And also this idea of that she has traveled so little and as a, you know, naval wife, she would get to travel a lot more and how excited she is by the idea of more travel. I think that that blush and that recollections and things, she's, she is commenting on the fact that she would want to be his wife, I think, um, which we already know, but very kind of not coming right out and saying it because that would be completely inappropriate of the time, but... Their conversation is then interrupted because Lady Dalrymple comes in. So Sir Walter and his two ladies, which I meet, which I take to mean um, Miss Elliot. So Elizabeth and Mrs. Uh, what's her? I, why do I can never Mrs. Clay? I can never remember Mrs. Clay's name. Her name does not stick in my head. Mrs. Clay go up to meet them. And, um, so it's Lady Dalrymple and her daughter, Miss Carteret. And there's also Mr. Elliot and Colonel Wallace there. And so they are the whole party together. Um, and so she has to go up and like, you know, do the pleasantries. Um, but, and she's kind of doing that, but she's so excited about the conversation she just had and what she feels like has been sort of communicated between her and Captain Wentworth, um, That she doesn't really seem to be paying much attention to the civilities. It says, um, she gave herself up to the demands of the party, to the needful civilities of the moment, with exquisite though agitated sensations. She was in good humor with all. She had received ideas which disposed her to be courteous and kind to all and to pity everyone as being less happy than herself. So she is, this is like the first time we've seen Anne be happy this entire book, I think. She has is finally like having these happy emotions because she thinks that she just had a connection with Captain Wentworth again. And I think they did. They finally had this conversation. It seems like it might be similar to some of the conversations they had had way back when before this proposal and. You know, her turning it down and being persuaded to tell him to go away. Um, So she is over the moon at this moment. But. Those emotions were a little subdued when she steps back from the group and wants to go back to talking to Captain Wentworth and she finds that he's gone. He's left. So he's gone off into the concert room and they're like in the room outside the concert room waiting for the group to get together. But she assumes she's going to see him again later. He'll be in the room. So hopefully they'll have a little bit more conversation later. Then Lady Russell shows up and that's the whole party. So they all go into the concert room. And (laughs) I think this is pretty great. So... Oh, so upon Lady Russell's appearance soon afterwards, the whole party was collected and all that remained was to marshal themselves and proceed into the concert room and be of all the consequence in their power. Draw as many eyes, excite as many whispers and disturb as many people as they could. (laughs) So their party is all about making sure that everybody can see them and see how high class and wonderful they are. And how well they're dressed, and blah blah blah, kind of the same thing that all that Elizabeth did in the last chapter at the at the little shop that they stopped in had to make sure everybody there knew that she was going into the carriage with Lady Dalrymple, so here same thing, uh, they want to make sure everybody in the room notices that they are all coming in and who they're coming in with, and blah 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 all about it. And then there's this great dig against Elizabeth, which I think is hilarious. It says, very, very happy were both Elizabeth and Anne Elliot as they walked in. Elizabeth, arm in arm with Miss Carteret, and looking on the broad back of the dowager of Viscountess Dalrymple before her, had nothing to wish for, which did not seem within her reach. And Anne, but it, would not, but it would be an insult to the nature of Anne's felicity, to draw any comparison between it and her sisters. The origin of one all-selfish vanity, of the other all-generous attachment." which is just burn on Elizabeth and her character, right? Because this is saying that both Elizabeth and Anne are really happy at this moment, but Anne is really happy because of her selfish vanity of being seen with the Viscountess Dalrymple, Dalrymple and her daughter. So being seen with these people with titles and Anne is super happy because she just talked to her crush again. Um, and so Anne is not even really noticing the room. Her happiness was from within, which is beautiful. Um, So she's just thinking about, she's not even noticing what's going on around her. She says her eyes were bright and her cheeks glowed, but she knew nothing about it. She was thinking only of the last half hour. So of them talking together, thinking about his choice of subjects, his expressions and still more his manner and look had been such as she could see in only one light. His opinion of Louisa Musgrove's inferiority, an opinion which he had seemed solicitous to give, his wonder at Captain Benwick, his feelings as to a first strong attachment, sentences begun which he could not finish, his half-averted eyes and more than half-expressive glance. All, all declared that he had a heart returning to her at least, that anger-resentment avoidance were no more and that they were succeeded not merely by friendship and regard, but by the tenderness of the past. Yes. Some share of the tenderness of the past. She could not contemplate the change as applying, implying less. He must love her. So Anne has finally realized that he actually is returning feelings for her. And it is making her so happy. And then the rest of the chapter happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we will get there. Um so this is what she's thinking. She is, he has finally, they finally talked to each other and we now I think are pretty aware that they both are still in love with each other and Anne has realized that they're both in love with each other and she is so happy and excited about it. Um, But she is stuck with her group of people. She can't just go find him and she's not really sure where he is in the room. So they have taken up two benches for her party and she's sitting in the front With Mr. Elliot, who it seems has specifically tried to sit next to her. It says, Mr. Elliot had maneuvered so well with the assistance of his friend, Colonel Wallace, as to have a seat by her. So he specifically is trying to sit by Anne, which I think makes sense, as we'll see before, that he's trying to court her. And Miss Elliot is okay with the fact that he's not with her because she's with... Surrounded by her cousins, the Dalrymples, and the principal object of Colonel Wallace's gallantry. So she's content over there. And so Anne is in a really good mood. She's all excited about the music. Um, and, so she ha- and with how happy she is right now, she had never liked a concert better. At least during the first act. But towards the close of it, she's talking to Mr. Elliot, and she explains the word of the Italian song, and he starts flattering her, so she's being sort of modest, as, you know, this is what it says, you know, kind of the near meeting. I'm, I'm, you know, I do not pretend to understand the language, I'm a very poor Italian scholar, and he just kind of laughs, yes, yes, I see you are, I see you know nothing of the matter, you have only knowledge enough of the language to translate at sight these inverted, transposed, curtailed Italian lines into clear, comprehensible, elegant English. You need not say anything more of your ignorance here is complete proof, um, which is a very sweet thing to say to her. Like she's being so like overly, mod- overly modest, right about, oh, you know, I don't really know Italian that well, but then she just interprets the Italian song so easily. And so it's great. And then he has another line. He says, I have not had the pleasure of visiting in Camden place so long without knowing something of Miss Anne Elliot, And I do regard her as one who is too modest. For the world in general to be aware of half her accomplishments and too highly accomplished for modesty to be natural in any other woman. So he is again laying it on thick with these, um, with these compliments. And he also is sort of charming enough and knowledgeable enough to be complimenting her brain, her accomplishments, her mind more than her person and her figure, which I do think is the better way, you know, to get an Anne's good graces. I think he's correct. And uh, so she is just pushing him back, like, for shame, for shame. This is too much flattery. I forget what we are to have next. And returns to looking at the playbill to see what the next song is going to be. Um. So she is kind of pushing his attentions away, but he is not done. And then he says something that I don't really understand. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. So it says that I knew you by report long before you came to Bath. I had heard you described by those who knew you intimately. I've been acquainted with your character many years, your person, your disposition, accomplishments, manner. They were all described. They were all present to me. Um, And Mr. Elliot was not disappointed in her interest. No one can withstand the charm of such a mystery to have been described long ago to a recent acquaintance by nameless people as irresistible. And Anne was all curiosity. So he's saying basically, oh, I've known of you for a long time. I know some really good friends of yours. They've told me all about you. Um, and i've heard about you years ago you know for a very long time for many years and Anne's like well who told you that like trying to figure out who is telling and he won't tell her who her friend is that he knows that has told her all this stuff but he says they had the best things to say about her and he had re- many years ago received such a description of miss Anne Elliot as had inspired him with the highest idea of her merit and excited the warmest curiosity to know her and Anne can't figure out who he means but she thinks it must be Mr Wentworth so that's Captain Wentworth's brother who was at Monkford who was like the curate at Monkford so in the church that that was the reason she met Captain Wentworth he was visiting his brother nearby um, and so the thinking that he might have been in Mr Elliot's company but she had not courage to ask the question so but it doesn't seem like she really knew Mr. Elliot very well so that doesn't make sense to me I'll be honest I don't I think that's a misdirection I don't think that it was Mr. that Mr. Wentworth Captain Wentworth's brother would have been the one to talk to Mr. Elliot and like talk her up and say how wonderful she was so and it also seems like a dumb lie like I don't know why Mr. Elliot would say that if he didn't know her friends but we don't know many friends that Anne has right like Lady Russell well Lady Russell would have been willing to now talk her up, but she, she didn't think well of him in the past, so I don't think it would have been her. Um, The only other friend we have is Mrs. Smith, right? That's the only other friend we've been introduced to because Anne doesn't have... Well, like, when it- we start the book, Anne only has Lady Russell, and then she comes to bath and there's Mrs. Smith. So maybe Mrs. Smith is into something somehow? Um, But I'm, ju- I'm just thinking that she's saying that he knows... I Some people you've been acquainted with, I'm thinking, like... Who are Anne's friends? They're Lady Russell and Mrs. Smith. That's it. Those are her friends. Her family wouldn't have talked her up like this. And he's saying for many years. So he hasn't been reacquainted with her family or Lady Russell until very recently. So who would Anne know that he could have talked to? And she's thinking it's Mr. Wentworth, Captain Wentworth, clergyman brother. But the impression I've gotten is that they really did not interact and she doesn't know him well. So that doesn't make sense to me. So anyway I'm not sure who he's talking about and I don't really get where this is going but I'm assuming it'll be important eventually. Something weird is going on here Um, but it's very strange to me that he brings up in this conversation that he knows all this great stuff about her because he's talked to her friends and knows all this and um, they've said so great so many great things and he won't tell her who is saying all these great things about her. Just an interesting thing to point out but um, Jane Austen very rarely has things that don't have importance and meaning so this is again a little like sprinkle of mystery of what is he talking about here why won't he tell her who he's talking about what is the situation but then we get to the point so the little mystery aside I'm, oh, I'm assuming it'll come up later but the next paragraph he has after all this weird talk about having known having known all about Anne it's he says The name of Anne Elliot, he said he, has long had an interesting sound to me. Very long has it possessed a charm over my fancy. And if I dared, I would breathe my wishes that the name might never change. Mic drop. He's basically saying he wants to marry her, (laughs) right? So he's saying that he thinks her name is perfect as Anne Elliot. And he, since his last name is also Elliot, if she marries him, her name won't change. Um, so that's what I think he means there. He's saying that he has long thought of her as this wonderful person and he wants to marry her, which is a really weird because I get the impression they don't know each other well at all. Um, but also, so it seems to come kind of from nowhere, but also he's making it seem like he's wanted to marry her for longer than he's been a widower. (laughs) Like he makes it sound like he's thought so highly of her for so long and he's wanted to marry her for such a long time before he even met her again now. But he was married for most of that time when he would have heard these great things about her. So it's just a very awkward and weird way to put it. Like to say that he had heard so many great things about you from your friends and so has long had an interesting sound to me. Has long has it possessed a charm over my fancy Like, the way that he's saying this, like, it has long, I've long wanted basically to marry you, but your wife just died. Like, what do you mean I've long wanted to marry you? This is, it's, it's creepy. It's weird. I don't, I don't know anything horrible about Mr. Elliot, really. Other than he was rude to them way back when and married somebody, somebody for money of a lower class, apparently. I I don't necessarily, honestly, I don't like Sir Walter, so I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. Um, so I'm not sure like that we know anything really negative about Mr. Elliot, but this conversation is making me feel very icky about him. I don't like it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm getting very negative vibes from this conversation. It's making my skin crawl a little bit. And I really don't like this implication that he's like, oh, I've wanted to marry you so long, even when my wife was still alive. Like, yeah, no, back up, buddy. This is, this is gross. This is creepy. I do not like it. Um, and then immediately her intention Anne's attention is caught by a conversation going on behind her between her father and Lady Dalrymple where they're saying that Captain Wentworth is a very fine looking man and his, her father says that he's, that he's a bowing acquaintance. Um, which is interesting because before he was barely an acquaintance, but now that Lady Dalrymple thinks that he's a handsome young man. Um, Sir Walter is much more happy to talk about him because he's like that. Um, but the fact that they are now talking about it, she catches his name in their conversation and then she sees him over there with a cluster of men at a little distance. So now she sees where she, where he is. Um, and his, but so her eyes fell on him. His seemed to be withdrawn from her. It had that appearance. It seemed as if she had been one moment too late. And as long as she dared observe, he did not look again. But the re- performance was recommencing and she was forced to, se- to seem to restore her attention to the orchestra and look straight forward. So she finally has figured out where Captain Wentworth is. He is there in the room in a crowd and he's she's like trying to catch his eye, but he won't look at her. And then when the next time she looks up, he has sort of moved away again. And she's too shut in by everybody around her to really try and catch his eye again. Um, and then also Mr. Elliot's speech too distressed her she had no longer any inclination to talk to him Uh, she wished him not so near her so I think she is also sort of creeped out by Mr. Elliot's conversation in the past I think that he has been a little like complimentary of her he's been very nice to her he's been kind to her but at least from the way I'm reacting to this now I don't remember him like pushing it like this before where he was like really like and yeah I want to marry you Um, So I think that that has gone over the line from just being a friendly acquaintance, which Anne needs more of, to like uh, to the point where she's like, oh, wait, no, 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 I didn't want to I don't want to marry you. Um, So I think she's a little creeped out by this most recent conversation with Mr. Elliot as well. And so she is hoping now that the first act is over, so they're in the intermission, that there'll be some some beneficial change. And so most of the party goes out of the room to go get some tea, and Anne decided to stay behind, and she remained in her seat with Lady Russell. But she did have the pleasure of getting rid of Mr. Elliot. And she kind of says that, and she did not mean whatever she might feel on Lady Russell's account, to shrink from conversation with Captain Wentworth, if he gave her the opportunity. So she's sitting there just with Lady Russell, and she's determined that even though Lady Russell probably won't like it, if Captain Wentworth comes over, she's going to have a conversation with him. But he never came. The anxious interval wore away unproductively. The others returned, the room filled again, benches were reclaimed and repossessed, and another hour of pleasure or penance was to be set out. Another hour of music was to give delight or the gapes. Which I think is a fabulous word the gapes I think we need to bring that that phrase back so I have a little um notes in my book and it says the gapes means bouts of yawning so I just think the gapes is a great little phrase that we need to bring back into the English language so an hour of music was to give delight or the gapes <laughs> um which I think is still true when you go to the theater or to concerts and things um, I just really liked that phrase. So it doesn't really add to anything else, I don't think. Back into Anne. So they're coming back in. And luckily she's not having to sit next to Mr. Elliot again because Mr. Elliot is invited by Elizabeth and Miss Carteret in a manner not to be refused to sit between them. Which I think probably could be seen as either both or one, one or both of them not liking the fact that he had given all his attention to Anne before. Um, I, we don't really know Miss Carteret at all, but Elizabeth does not like sharing attention. We know this. She likes to be the center of attention at all times. And she also has her designs kind of set on Mr. Elliot and has for a very long time from before his first marriage. She wanted to marry this man. So the fact that he's paying attention to Anne, I'm sure she does not like. So it makes sense that she pulls him back. Um, and Anne actually then it says, and by some other removals and a little scheming of her own, Anne was able to place herself much nearer the end of the bench than she had been before, much more within reach of passerby. Um, so she gets herself to towards the edge of the bench, and and so she's able to hopefully catch, you know, catch Captain Wentworth's eye. That's the reason that she's made this move, right? So she's actively trying to catch his attention at this point and has been, and being unsuccessful, really. Um, And then here he says "So, So such was her situation with a vacant space at hand when Captain Wentworth was again in sight. She saw him not far off. He saw her too, yet he looked grave and seemed irresolute, and only by very slow degrees came at last near enough to speak to her. She felt something. She felt that something must be the matter. The change was indubitable. The difference between his present air and what it had been in the octagon room was strikingly great. And so so he comes up to her like an hour later. So they just had this great conversation before where filling her with butterflies, they've basically decided that they both still love each other. And then she gets caught up with her party, has to go into the room with them, is watches the first half of the concert now they're back for the second half of the concert he comes by and his manner is completely changed so now he's all stiff and doesn't seem whether he wants to talk to her is all grave she's wondering if like her father or lady russell had like been rude to him or something had like made eyes at him to get him away And says that he began by speaking of the concert gravely, more like the Captain Wentworth of Uppercross. So he's acting more like he was back when they were staying with the Musgroves or spending all their time with the Musgroves. And he says that he didn't really like the concert and is defending it. They talked for a few minutes. And so when they're talking here. And Anne talks so feeling that so pleasantly. That his countenance improved, and he replied again with almost a smile. And they talk for a few minutes more, the improvement held. Everything's looking good, things are better, and then here's Mister Elliot comes back. He pats her shoulder, asks her to come explain the Italian again to Miss Carteret, who was anxious to have a general idea of what's next to be sung. And Anne could not refuse, but never had she sacrificed politeness with a more suffering spirit. So she gets so If you imagine this thing, Captain Wentworth's walking by, he seems a lot more grave and stiff again, more like he had been back in Uppercross, not as nice and happy and flirty as he was before the concert started, and is sort of jollying him along, gets him to be in better spirits again, and just as things are going well, Mr. Elliot shows up and taps her on the shoulder and brings her over back into the group again, and ruins her night, basically. Um, and as soon as she was free of that group she comes back and then she found herself accosted by Captain Wentworth in a reserved yet hurried sort of farewell he must wish her good night he was going he should get home as fast as he could and then this is just painful the end of their conversation here it's a Anne says is not this song worth staying for said Anne suddenly struck by an idea which made her yet more anxious to be encouraging No, he replied impressively. There is nothing worth my staying for. And he was gone directly. I mean, ouch, there's nothing worth my staying for? So if we're reading this the way I am, so before he was basically admitting that he's still in love with her before the concert, and now he's saying there's nothing worth my staying for, he might as well be saying, like, he's saying you're not worth staying for. You're not worth my time. I mean, it's just awful so bad and then we get the last paragraph here of this entire chapter of Anne kind of realizing what's happened here he says jealousy of mr elliot it was the only intelligible motive captain wentworth jealous of her affection could she have believed it a week ago three hours ago for a moment the gratification was exquisite but alas there were very different thoughts to succeed how was such jealousy to be quieted? How was the truth to reach him? How in all the peculiar disadvantages of their respective situations would he ever learn her real sentiments? It was misery to think of Mr. Elliot's attention. Their evil was incalculable. So she, we've seen this huge shift or change in Captain Wentworth's. Um, talking to Anne from the beginning of the concert to now towards the end of the concert, and Anne is saying that it's because he is jealous of um, Mr. Elliot, which I do think makes sense because if you think about last last um, chapter when they were in the little shop where they met up before, um, he also had to hear about how it seemed like her cousin was courting her. So that seems to be kind of a general rumor going around that the two of them are going to marry um and so now he so he's heard that rumor we know at least once before at that shop because his friends were talking about it and then now he's here and he sees her being very like having this very pleasant and long conversation with Mr Elliot and Mr Elliot is definitely trying to portray them as a couple like he's definitely trying to court Anne we know that Anne isn't into it, but she's not going to like show that on the outside very well, right? Like she's better bred than that. She's more polite than that, you know. So, so I think it's fair enough that he thinks that there's something going on there, and that's kind of what I was, <clears throat> I've been predicting for this thing is that we're going to have the next little like issue in their courtship be that now there's that little sort of love triangle between Mr. Elliot and Anne and Captain Wentworth and Captain Wentworth thinking that she's being courted and going to marry Mr. Elliot. And I think Anne is also right to be worried about this, of how is she ever going to like convince him that that's not true? Because she really doesn't have good access to him as we've seen. She's gone days without seeing him. She doesn't know how. I mean she has no real good way to get in contact with him um, you know even at the end of the last chapter we saw that it went days without seeing him because they don't go to any of the public things that where he might be so she doesn't have any access to that you know to the public places where she might see him in the evenings this concert thing was a sort of rarity that they went to one of the public venues and she did get to see him there But where else is she going to see him around Bath, right? Like, that's difficult. It's hard for her to figure out a place where she's going to be able to run into him and talk to him and solve this situation. And, you know, she's not allowed to write to him. She's not allowed to go call on him. Like, she needs to, like, accidentally bump into him. That's the only way she gets to talk to this man. Um, So I think she's right to be worried about that. Though I assume they will find a way to run into each other because we're getting close to the end of the book and they have to end up together. I will accept no other alternative. No other ending. So I'm sure that they will run into each other, but I think it's fair enough that she is worried that they won't because she has, you know, no control over that. She has to literally just accidentally run into him. She can't go like looking for him. But so what we've gotten out of this chapter is that I think we are very clear as readers that Anne and Captain Wentworth are still in love with each other and are definitely should end up together. And then we have this Mr. Elliot situation kind of, ruining everything um where he seems very nice and polite but like i said this most recent conversation makes me feel kind of icky i feel like there's something wrong with him um there's some deeper connection or something for how he knows some of her friends so well to have gotten some weird like intel on her so that's weird um the way he's talking about wanting to marry her and having wanted to marry her for a long time even though he's only recently been widowed is also really weird and i don't like it. So, i have i have some questions. I think there's something iffy about Mr. Elliot. I don't like him. Something's wrong with him. <laughs> um and i think that he is now serving as this foil to keep uh to keep Captain Wentworth and Anne from having a nice conversation again. Right? Cuz he's sparking the jealousy, he's pushing Captain Wentworth away. By thinking that Anne might be getting married to somebody else. Kind of the exact same like flip of what was happening in the first half of the book when they were with the Musgroves. And Anne was staying back and staying away from him because she thought he was going to marry Louisa. So we're seeing kind of that reverse of that. Now the other way. And how much Captain Wentworth doesn't like it either. Although this time it's not Anne's fault. Like Anne's not doing it on purpose the way I think Captain Wentworth was doing it on purpose in the beginning. So... That's where we're at. We've had this I don't know what we're doing next chapter. We don't have a specific lead in to what's going to happen next. But I assume that we will see more of Captain Wentworth that she will accidentally be able to bump into him again and somehow convince him that she's not marrying Mr. Elliot. The situation with Mr. Elliot might have to come to some sort of head. I don't know. I'm almost seeing maybe a like proposal scene where she has to say no. I don't know that will be very hard for Anne. I don't see her like doing as well with that kind of scene as like Elizabeth Bennett does with, with um, Mr. Collins. So I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm expecting except for that. I'm expecting Anne and Captain Wentworth to have more time together and to actually like get over this new speed bump in their relationship. And I'm expecting something fishy with Mr. Elliot to pop up. We don't have that much more time to learn any of these fishy situations with Mr. Elliot or like what his backstory is. Um, There's only four chapters left in this entire novel. So we're getting very close to the end. So I'm assuming these little things have the tales of the stories have to start wrapping up. Um, I just don't really see how, except for like, I'm just seeing some more meeting meetups with Captain Wentworth where they can have some more conversations. Other than that, I don't know where this goes. I am kind of lost, I'll be honest. I don't know how she wraps this up in the next four chapters or what exactly happens. I mean, honestly, you could wrap it up with them in one chapter. If Captain Wentworth and Anne would just have a real down-to-earth conversation, I think we could wrap this all up real quick. But the stuff with Mr. Elliot and everything, there's some tangled webs going on. I'll be interested to see what happens and I want to see, hopefully, that Captain Wentworth and Anne get to interact some more and overcome these differences so that's the end of chapter eight i'll be back next time with chapter nine